And in this country, trademark rights arise out of use. So even if you don't go register your trademark and they have rights in that trademark, even though they haven't registered it, the trademark is the company's most valuable asset. If you take off the brand name of a lipstick, maybe the quality stands apart and alone, but I also don't think it's a stretch to say it's the branding, the name that gets the purchaser there. If you take a swoosh off of a pair of Nikes, you got a pair of tennis shoes that's very similar to a lot of its competitors. So the brand name is oftentimes super valuable, super important. Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah. Yes, Kirby. What do you know about trademarks? I know zero jack shit about trademark. Same. I don't know a damn thing. I, I would love to know more, but I just don't. And I feel like trademarks and IP, obviously like a huge talking point the past couple of weeks in the beauty industry. I feel like the, last year it was like the summer of sunscreen scandal. And now it is the summer of trademark. Who stole what name from what person and just so much drama. And who should win the lawsuit and who has an actual, you know, lawsuit that has any validity. Kirby and I know, you know, we've been like looking through people's Instagram posts, all the conversation on Twitter. And people like to pretend that they know what they're talking about. It's because it's like a moral compass thing, right? Like it's not even like, <laughs> like there is a difference actually between like, what you feel is right versus like what's legally sound. And I mean, like, exactly. That's where I think the why people are so passionate about this. So lucky us a couple of weeks ago when I was doing the timeline of the skin by Kim fiasco of that trademark. OK, we had a Glam Gelino call the hotline as we asked. We were like, please help us. Turns out we have like a legitimate IP attorney listening to us. And we didn't even know it, Sarah, which is incredible. What an honor, first of all. Truly, truly. And what a dream. This is like the dream, like why we, one, wanted to start the podcast, two, why we started our hotline so we could connect with our glams like this. Yes, yes, yes. All of the above. So I want to do a quick introduction of our guest today. Her name is Alexa Stabler-Adams. She is a glam Jolino. She called into the hotline and she said, if you need help, I'm here. And she's giving us free legal services, essentially. <laughs> so we tip our hat to Alexa. We will be sending you a lovely gift basket of free beauty products. Yes, girl, we're going to hook you up. Don't don't you even worry. So Alexa is an attorney at Adams IP Law. She focuses her practice on trademark selection, clearance, prosecution and enforcement, including proceedings before the trademark trial and appeal board, which I'm sure we will get into. She graduated from the University 
University of Alabama and the University of Alabama Law School. She is a decorated graduate and she served on the Alabama Law Review, Campbell Moot Court Board and the Bruce B. Siegel Intellectual Property Moot Court Team. So needless to say, she knows what the hell she's talking about. And she has filed hundreds of federal trademark applications protecting a variety of goods and services, including clothing, restaurants, software, and consumer products. So please welcome Alexa to the podcast, Glams. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Did I get that all right? Perfect. And I don't think Bruce is maybe not a Glams leader. Maybe he's not listening. So if you mispronounce his name, all good. If a Bruce was a Glams so so sorry, Bruce. We we will fix. I'm you know me. I'm like I try to get people's names right, but the Texan in me always comes out. I always mispronounce something like like <laughs> something crazy. Okay, so Alexa, we want to know more about you. Like, what got you interested in this sector of law? Like, you could have gone any direction, right? But why why were you interested in like protecting people's trademarks and like intellectual property? So it's interesting. I grew up with a father who was a professional football player. Actually, he, he played the quarterback position. So there was some interest even after he retired in his intellectual property. He was a broadcaster um, for football, television, and radio. He did a lot of brand partnerships after he retired from various consumer product companies. So I grew up kind of in the world of uh, brand protection and what happens when you don't protect your brand. And then when we finished, when I finished law school, my husband opened um, an intellectual property firm, my now husband, uh, straight out of school. And uh, about a year out, he needed help. And so I came on board and um, have managed the trademark practice now for almost a decade. So, okay, Alexa's like not hyping herself up enough. Her dad is legit. He was a hall of fame professional football player. Okay, Ken Stabler. I went to Patrick and I'm like, do you know an Alexa Stabler? Like, I thought this connection was maybe through him because he's involved in sports, Alexa. So I was thinking, like, maybe it's an ESPN connection or, like, a Fox Sports connection, or maybe he knows, like, a professional athlete that you worked with or something. He's like, Stabler, like, Ken? And I'm like, yes, that is her dad. And <laughs> he was like, um, no, but this is incredible. You're getting football royalty on your podcast. Patrick is incredibly excited about you being a guest. Well, that explains the footballs behind you. Oh, yes, I have a couple and helmet. I have all my football paraphernalia behind me. Amazing. I love it. And so it's Stabler Sports, right? Yes. So now that we have like a little bit of background on you, though, we want to know what's on your face, Alexa. Are there some products that you're loving and, and using religiously? Absolutely. So to bring it full circle with you mentioning last summer being the summer of the sunscreen scandal. Okay. I was a very loyal Purito sunscreen user. So when the scandal happened, I was devastated. I had my husband on it. Great product. I'm a quarter Japanese. So I, I already prefer the Asian sunscreens, wanted to support, I know it's Korean, but wanted to support the brand. Devastated. Okay. Fast forward now, we're like a year later they reformulated, as I'm sure you know, and I was I really struggling. Do I give them another chance? It came yesterday. Okay, the new formulation. It's just as good. I'm back on that train. I live here in South Alabama. The sun is brutal as it is in Southern California, I'm sure. Sunscreen is not optional. So that's what's on my face. Okay. And by the way, Alexa has a glow for the gods. Like, yeah. I mean, like when she popped up on screen, we were like, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I was like, no, truly drop the routine girl because it's good it's good it's clearly 
actually working. You try the, I mean, I have not tried the new formula. You're like one of the first. Again, here in Alabama, I do not go a day without it. I blow through the sunscreen. I felt bad. Like everybody deserves a second chance, I think. Agreed. Including Purito. Yes. And so I gave that to them and I'm happy with my decision. I actually have the new Purito and I need to try it. So... I'm very excited to finally like get that on my face because I never tried the original. I wanted to try the original, but by the time I started to see the hype around it, then it became the scandal of the summer situation. So I do agree with you. I people and brands deserve an opportunity to make good. I, I fully agree with that. So I'm glad that they did. And I love that you're supporting them to this day. We love to hear it. Let's get to the juicy part of the convo. So as you know, as everyone listening knows, there's been so much talk about trademarks lately, especially in the beauty industry. Like I mentioned, we've been seeing so many comments and conversations on Instagram, Twitter, all of the, you know, media is covering it. So what do you think that the general public commonly gets wrong about trademarks? There's a lot of nuance to trademarks that people don't grasp or understand. I think the common perception is that there are bright line rules. Well, if this person has this brand and then a second company comes in and uses the exact same mark, it's automatically infringement or it's automatically illegal. And the example I use with my clients a lot and it's appropriate in the situation is there's Dove body soap, body wash that we all love, but there's also Dove chocolate company. They're separate and distinct entities, companies, they both own Dove for their respective products and services. Such a good comparison. When I think of Dove chocolate, I never think of Dove body wash and vice versa. Totally. So Delta is the same, right? Delta Airlines, Delta Faucet Company, separate and distinct, they both own Delta. Now, with the situations we're discussing today or that are relevant to this podcast, not quite as easy, right? Because they're offering really similar products or services. But when I I go through the comments, and I I didn't realize there's so many lawyers in in Instagram comments, (laughs) there are, wow, reach out, like, let's be friends. (laughs) And not just just lawyers, trademark lawyers, Alexa. An IP support group needs to be started, I guess. (laughs) That's the truth. Reach out, let's connect. So another issue, uh, I think people think that, oh, if you run and get the trademark, you file your trademark application, you own it for all intents and purposes, you can stop anybody. And in this country, trademark rights arise out of use. So even if you don't go register your trademark, you know, probably a lot of the companies you deal with on a daily basis, maybe, you know, your salon, uh, nail salon, hair salon, whatever, they may have not registered their trademark, but they're using a trademark to offer uh, products or services, and they have rights in that trademark, even though they they haven't registered it. Your rights are enhanced and strengthened by seeking registration with the federal government. But simply doing business under a trademark will give you some rights. Okay. And I think that's an important point to make clear because that's going to feed into some of the beauty applications we're about to get into. So I, I love that you're bringing that up. This actually kind of goes nicely into my next question, which is it seems like some brands in certain situations, it's like, well, one of the questions people go, well, when did they file the trademark? Like they're complaining, but when did they try to file the trademark? Oh, after so-and-so filed. I'm I'm thinking of it from even just like a business point of view. Is there like an urgency to file a trademark if you're using it and establishing yourself, like you have some rights and protections there. So do you kind of want to explain that? 
Yeah, absolutely. The, the time element is super important. My best advice would be if you're thinking of starting a brand or you have an existing brand, ideally before you invest a ton of time, money, resources into building the brand, you would conduct a clearance search and see what else is out there so you can help identify what risks are involved in adopting and using the mark. You know, in these situations that I'm sure we'll discuss later, we're dealing with parties who undoubtedly have the resources to retain a law firm to conduct a clearance search and to help them gauge the risk in using and attempting to register the mark. But in a couple of the cases, it seems like they decided to move forward anyway. It's kind of like a screw it, you know, maybe we have the resources to fight this. Let's just see what happens. We're comfortable with the risk level. And then there are mechanisms that allow a party to challenge an application. So for example, party A goes and files the application, but party B has been using the trademark for years prior. They can file an opposition against the application and say, I'm the prior user. I believe I have superior rights in this mark government, please do not register uh, the other application. And that's what's going on here in the beauty world right now. On that note, can you walk us through the process of trademarking? Like what is involved? I think, you know, for so many people who are starting brands, like it's a very intimidating, overwhelming thought to even like, how do you even go about it? Like, what do you do? Can you just like kind of maybe give us an overview of what that looks like? Absolutely. And before I start on the timeline and the process, I would like to say that oftentimes the trademark is the company's most valuable asset. If you take off the brand name of a lipstick, a body wash, shampoo, whatever, maybe the quality stands apart and alone, but I also don't think it's a stretch to say it's the branding, the name, that gets the purchaser there, especially with a product that you can't try before you buy. If you take a swoosh off of a pair of Nikes, I mean, you've got a pair of tennis shoes that's very similar to a lot of its competitors. So the brand name is oftentimes super valuable, super important. The first step I would recommend, yeah, the clearance search, ideally retaining a law firm to conduct a clearance search. Yes, it costs money. Um, and maybe you're a startup and don't have a ton of resources to expend on lawyers. And I I'm very sympathetic to that. But what I have seen happen is new companies or new brands, entrepreneurs adopt and use a mark without doing much due diligence or just doing a Google search and thinking they're comfortable with what they do or don't see. And then several months, several years down the line, they get a cease and desist letter from a third party that says, we believe we have superior rights in the mark. And so even if this third party doesn't have much of a case, it's a weak argument. Now you're having to hire a lawyer to defend against this and taking away resources from you know, whatever, marketing, product development, whatever the more important aspects of the business are versus fighting over the, the name. Once the clearance search is complete, we would uh, prepare and file the application with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. That's a federal application that can also be done at the state levels, but for modern commerce where we're selling online through social media, the, net, the federal application, which covers the entire country, is most relevant right now that the trademark office is working through a serious backlog, but you know, without spending 20 minutes healing the process, you're looking at about a year, a year and a half, if there are no major hurdles to getting a registration. Yeah. And then you have to file maintenance documents at, at certain points to keep it alive. But unlike other forms of intellectual property, trademarks can last forever as long as the, the owner keeps using it. So you think of something like Coca-Cola, Revlon, a company that's been in business for years and years and years. Um, they just can keep renewing it as long as they're still in business. 
I'm curious about the costs associated. Cause like for me, like you mentioned, like it's expensive to hire attorneys to look into clearance for you. Right. But like, I'm trying to think of like, what would deter a brand from like immediately trying to secure a trademark? Is it mostly money? Is it mostly like the cost associated with it? Or is it just like they, you think people maybe just don't know to do it? I think both. I don't know if it's in equal measure or if one weighs more heavily than the other, but we see it regularly all the time where people fail to register their rights or to clear a mark and it just becomes a huge headache and it becomes a lot more expensive than just doing the clearance on the front end. A question um, for you about like timeline wise. So you're saying that it can take up to like a year or longer because there's this huge backlog. So are you advising people to like not start operating as a business until they get the trademark registered officially? Because obviously like just filing for the trademark does not give you obviously that trademark, right? Yeah. So registration is going to take probably at least a year right now. And there's no perfect answer to do I launch under a mark before I have a registration or do I wait until at least examination starts or do I wait until I have the registration certificate in hand? I think it's a matter of uh, of risk tolerance and business risk. We have some clients who are maybe more conservative and want to at least have their application examined and at least get a feel for, am I going to get a refusal? If I get the refusal, can we get over it? What is the, what are the hurdles to registration? Other clients say, I just want to start making money. I, I just want to, get the application on file, launch, go to market, bring in the dollars and see what happens. Um, so I don't think there's a perfect answer. Now, I think that answer though is informed by the search report. If there's something that's pretty spot on, maybe you head in a different direction or maybe you delay some things or rework some things before you launch. But I wish there was a kind of a hard and fast black and white answer, but there's really not. Is there a a way that you can just pay to do the search report or like, are there options online where people can, you know, search um, instead of maybe having to pay all of the money up front for an official trademark? Yeah, absolutely. I always advise people before they even spend money with our law firm or any law firm. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has a free search feature on their website, which is uspto.gov, patenttrademarkoffice.gov. It's called TESS, Trademark Electronic Search System. It's easily, you can find it easily if you go to USPTO.gov. I always advise people spend some time on there, play around on there, type in the mark on there, see what comes up, type in variations on the mark, do it plural, change the S to a Z, you know, just mess around, spend some time. You may find something that's kind of spot on, or you may find something that you want to send to your lawyer and say, can you look into this? It, it kind of makes me feel uneasy, but I want to know what's really going on here. So yes, absolutely. I I would recommend doing that. And of course, Google, Google and social media searches and just seeing what comes up um, before you settle on a mark and and pay for a clearance search. So, okay, this is going to take us into the conversation around like Skin by Kim and Road, because when I was discussing kind of like the timeline of who filed when and all of that stuff regarding Skin by Kim, I used tests. That was like how I was able to like look up anything. But of course, I still did not understand a lot of what was going on. So it said, I guess, okay, so there was a filing date for Lori Harvey of January 21st, 2021, okay? And then it said published for opposition August 3rd, 2021. But when I went to go look up Skin by Kim or the Skin Plus trademarks, I didn't see that published for opposition, 
what does that mean, Alexa? Like, what, what makes that different for Lori versus the other two? Yeah. So uh, in the examination process, well, once you file the application, it's going to get assigned to a lawyer at the trademark office. That lawyer will do an examination. And if all looks good, there isn't anything prior file that, that they deem is confusingly similar, they publish it for opposition. That's a 30-day window. It's online. You can see everything that's published. And it, it opens a 30-day window in which third parties can file an opposition with the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. And one of the bases for filing an opposition is we believe we have prior right. We used the mark before you, and we think your mark is confusingly similar. So you have priority and confusing similarity. So if it says it was published for opposition, it has survived that initial examination. It, the opposition period has opened. And if it doesn't say opposition pending, then an opposition was not filed or has not been filed yet. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So like, I guess you don't know who filed for opposition against SKN by LH, right? So my understanding is SKN by LH has received a notice of allowance because she wins in terms of filing. From what I've seen, she filed January, 2021. Skin Plus filed March 28, 2021. Skin by Kim filed only two days later, March 30th, 2021. So Skin by LH, assuming she completes the registration process, her or her lawyer files some, some documents that are pretty straightforward, she's going to get her registration. With respect to Skin Plus and Skin by Kim, I think that right now that's a little more convoluted. My understanding is Skin Plus only offers skincare services, right? They're like um, a spa, essentially, or a, a facial place. Skin by Kim and Skin by LH sell products. So there's a di those are distinguishable. And that's the argument that the lawyers would make. Well, we offer services. Well, we sell products. The issue is this is not Dove, where it's soap and chocolate. The issue is it's skincare products and skincare services. Super similar. Oftentimes, a spa will have its own carry its own line of products or an esthetician will sell her own line of products. So that's what makes this a little trickier, a little hairier is that skincare products and skincare services are related and often come from the same source. Do you think that like skin by Kim, like it's not skin plus by Kim. So is adding like the by Kim the way around that? <laughs> I think so. I wish again that these were there were easy answers to these questions, but often it's it's fact dependent and you're gonna get in front of a judge or a jury and that judge or jury is gonna decide, yeah, that's too close, it's confusingly similar, or no, it's not. Me personally, if I see something that says skin by LH and then skin by Kim, to me that reads as two separate entities. Given that skin is so descriptive or potentially generic for skincare products and skincare services. Frankly, they're not very strong trademarks. You know, if you want a strong trademark, you make up a word. For example, kind of the first thing that just popped into mind is like necessary. That is a strong trademark to me. Maybe it's, uh, you know, it's kind of arbitrary. I mean, there's a little bit of a relationship to the product, but it's kind of like Apple for computer, right? It's, it doesn't describe what you're doing. Skin by Kim, skin by LH, pretty much right off the bat, you kind of know what's going on there. And there's always that tension between brand, something that's protectable and something that's good marketing. I understand that brands want the consumer to right off the bat understand this is what we're offering. You don't have to educate them on what we're doing here, what we're selling. 
That said, the more descriptive, the more generic the term, the harder it is to protect. How are you going to go tell us another skincare company that can't use the word skin? I think that's an uphill battle. I think that's tough. So I, I do think that that's why the, the name designations, the buys are on the end. It's so interesting because like just personal opinion, like I think anything that's too on the nose with skin or beauty in the name, I'm just out. Like I, I don't, consumers are smart. Like if we're shopping for skincare, we clearly know like, oh, this is a skincare product. Like I don't think we need to be told like this is skincare, or this is makeup or whatever. Um, I think Necessary is such a great example. I, I love that. This one is a little different. I mean, a lot different. Um, so road, there is the fashion company that has been around. They make these beautiful dresses. They have a very big following, not a small company. There's an article that said they are, you know, expected to make $14.5 million this year. Beyonce wears their dresses like they're good. Okay. Then we have obviously road, which is Hailey Bieber's skincare line. Both were, you know, inspired by this Greek goddess, However, you know, Haley, this is her middle name, which is an argument that so many people love to make on the internet. They're like, well, it's her name, as if that's like, you know, it makes you really deserving of a trademark. But there's a lot of nuance in this. So Rode claims that Haley reached out to them four years ago to buy the trademark. And uh, as a reminder for people who, who may not know, Rode, the fashion brand was started in 2014. And Haley Bieber filed the trademark in May of this year. But it is reported by the Wall Street Journal that it hasn't been assigned for review. So Alexa, walk us through your first thoughts when you saw all of this pop up in the news. First thought is as to the name issue, uh, I, I understand why people would think, well, if it's your name, you can use it as your trademark to sell your products or your services. Okay, if my name, my last name was McDonald. I cannot go open a hamburger shop. Like they are going to crush me. Okay. Like really, really bad idea. I understand your name is super important to you. Mine is important to me. I still can't go infringe someone else's trademark. Your name doesn't trump trademark law. As to applying that uh, to this case. So we have Rode, unquestionably the senior user, right? They've been in business now for several years. Um, I listened to the episode with Haley recent launch, right? There's no question as to priority. Um, the names, the marks are identical. Generally, the two most important considerations in an infringement analysis, how similar are the marks, how related or, or similar, unrelated are the products or the services. Marks are identical. Here we're dealing with fashion, clothing, I don't know if they make accessories versus beauty products. This is a hard one. I mean, I could see a court going both ways on this because oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes, I mean, you see, right, fashion companies sometimes go into beauty. Like, you know, Zara has beauty. I think H&M has beauty. Maybe not beauty, but I've seen like Jenny Kane now has candles, promoting candles. So fashion companies often expand. And I think a natural road of expansion for a fashion company is potentially beauty. I'm start, it's certainly not par for the course on every fashion company does it, but it's certainly not a, a stretch. Like they're starting a car company or something like that. So I could see this one going either way. I will say I looked at Haley's trademark applications and 
So the road application, it's it's the wordmark road, but it's a little stylized in kind of her cool font. Um, and it's filed for beauty products and it has um, received a notice of allowance. So it's it's going to register. She's going to have, assuming they follow through with it, which I have no reason to believe they wouldn't, um, she's probably going to have a registered trademark for Rogue for beauty products. That said, that does not prevent Rogue Clothing Company from filing a lawsuit against her. That's another misconception is that people think if you have the trademark registration, that is just a shield against the whole world. Nothing can be done. You have the trademark. And that's just not the case. Companies that have registered trademarks all the very commonly fight in court. The trademark office the U.S. Trademark Office is separate and distinct from federal court where you would litigate a lawsuit and where, for example, this a lawsuit has been filed in a U.S. district court. So even though she gets the trademark, you know, that doesn't necessarily affect the lawsuit. Maybe the judge says, well, I think if the trademark office is letting them coexist, I'm going to defer to these trademark experts and agree with that. Maybe the, maybe the jury thinks that too if the lawyers say, well, the trademark office is letting them both have the trademarks. So what's the problem? These are, you know, expert trademark attorneys examining these applications. We think you should fall in line with them. But, you know, again, if any, if internet comments or any indication, a lot of people disagree with that analysis. So this one's interesting, you know, and it, it, I do think it's interesting that she allegedly reached out and tried to buy the trademark. I think that that goes to potential willfulness. If I was road fashions lawyers, I would say, look, she knew about us. She knew exactly what she was doing. Um, and she took that risk. Now, I'm not saying that's my personal opinion, but if that, those are my clients, that's the argument you make. Again, that said, trying to take a positive spin on things, maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's helpful for these brands. I understand, you know, I was familiar with Rogue, the fashion company, but I don't think they're a household name necessarily in fashion. And now they're getting some press and some headlines and Maybe search results, maybe your SEO goes up a little bit. Maybe you get some more followers on social media. Is this a thing where like you could settle out of court? Like could Haley settle just to make this go quiet? Let's say they do settle. Does that mean that Haley Bieber can never sell road merch like clothing? And does that mean that road fashion could not expand into body care or makeup? That very well may be the way this plays out. It would be up to the parties and their attorneys to negotiate some type of settlement. Virtually anything can be in those settlements. Uh, so an agreement that, hey, we'll stay in our lane. Hey, we'll stop, stay in the other lane. We won't try to cross paths. We'll only use this font. We'll only use this font. If we get emails or social media messages confusing the parties, we will make a good faith effort to dispel that confusion. I think in a lot of these cases, that's probably what's going to end up happening. It's a settlement, money exchanges hands, the parties agree to to stay in their own lanes. But you truly never know. I mean, this could we could see a trial on that. This could be next summer's Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. You know, oh my please, God. no, God, <laughs> Alexa, do not will that into the universe. I I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't. The uh, the internet chaos around that trial like absolutely just like pained me the internet lawyers they just know so much it's wild it's so interesting to learn about this so like potentially road Haley's road could have to change its name if in the court of law people believe that road fashion deserves to have their name over her yeah yeah that that could happen sure i mean if it goes to trial a judge or a jury could issue an injunction and 
bar her essentially from using Rode as uh, the trademark for her beauty products, uh, skincare products. Again, most of these things don't end up in trial. Most settle out of court um, with some kind of settlement agreement or a coexistence agreement, but that remains to be seen here. Why do you think that Haley Bieber and team decided to, you know, continue making products under the road name? Do we think that they were just like, oh, road fashion's never going to sue us? And then do you think road fashion actually has an issue or they just want some money? So it's hard to know exactly what's going on. Knowing Haley Bieber's popularity and the resources that she likely has at hand, I would assume, and this is just me assuming, that her legal team advised her of the risks and said, this is what could happen. We could be facing a lawsuit, potentially bad publicity because you are the junior user of the name. And they made a judgment call and said, it's worth it to me. This is the name I want. This is the name I believe in. This is the name, the mark that I think will resonate with my consumers. Let's see what happens. It could, you know, it could be as simple as it's my name. Nobody's going to tell me I can't use my name. I've seen that happen before. Road fashion, maybe they're seeking a payday, but I will say it's, it's expensive to get there. Um, filing this lawsuit and litigating it is going to be very expensive. So, but you know, you mentioned some numbers, the kind of revenue they're bringing in. Maybe they're not daunted by that. It's crazy because I just, I feel like the common thing I see online right now are people going, well, Haley, Haley's filed under like cosmetics and skincare and Road is filed under fashion. So, and they can both hold the copyright. But like you said, for me, I think beauty is so separate from fashion. Like there are plenty of fashion. I was not familiar with Road Fashion prior to this happening. I know Sarah was. I'm not like a fashion forward person at all. But even that said, I was following them and it didn't even occur to me. Like it was like, to me, it was two separate companies and it was fine. I mean, for me, when I was looking at it, I was like, I feel like the logos are different. Like also for me, I, I just see beauty so distinctly separate from fashion. So, uh, but then again, I remember like when I first started working at Pop Sugar, fashion and beauty were the same vertical. And like now, because of the boom in beauty, beauty is becoming so separate from fashion. Sarah, we talk about this all the time, too. Like even like working in the fashion industry versus the beauty industry is so different, right? It's just so like different. apples to oranges. So when people try to group us together, we're always like, what in the world? That's kind of bizarre. But then to your point, I for years covered both. And I was like, you shouldn't cover both, by the way. <laughs> you should cover one of them. Oh, wow. Look at you making a case over here. Okay. So Alexa, I guess like, I mean, I'm like sweating. I'm like, geez. Okay. So I'm like typing in the URL. No, but now we have some rights. You absolutely do. You absolutely. I'm over here in Alabama and I know Los Angeles as you. Hallelujah. That's what we love to hear over there in Bama, the good people of Bama. Okay. So Alexa, what is your advice? Like, this is your time. Everyone listen up. You're getting free well, I'm not going to say free legal counsel because we're not going to hold anything against Alexa. If you hear this on this podcast, just use it in good faith. And like, if you mess up, that's not an Alexa. Okay. That's on you, but she's a professional. So you should probably take heed to what she's going to say. Tell the people what you want them to know about their intellectual property. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the CYA, Kirby. I really appreciate that. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> So, okay, if you want to start a beauty brand, whatever brand, 
again, let me emphasize the trademark is often the most valuable asset. A lot of times in these big corporate bankruptcies, the trademark is what holds the most value. Don't underestimate the power of your brand and the name. Yes, there's you're going to come out of pocket clearing the name, filing the federal trademark application. But in almost every instance, it's going to be less expensive than fighting a trademark battle on the back end. So think of it as an investment in your company. Know that there's a spectrum of trademarks. The, the easiest trademarks to protect are those words that you literally make up. So Google, Exxon, Kodak. I don't think Revlon has another meaning besides a trademark. I've never looked into that. I don't know if that has like a foreign meaning or anything. I don't know what the meaning is. So those types of trademarks, think of like pharmaceutical names, like the medicine you're prescribed, like it has no other meaning besides being a brand identifier. So if you want a really protectable trademark, you literally make up a word. That said, again, I understand you want to market and you want you don't want to have to educate the consumer on what you do. So it's a business decision that's up to you. The worst trademarks from a protection standpoint are generic terms. I'm sorry, skin for skincare. I mean, look at what's happening. There is a headache and a battle and this could have been avoided, especially with people who can't afford really good lawyers. But that said, uh, we have clients all the time who we share similar advice with and they are dug in and married to a mark and that's their business. And so we do the very best we can to protect it. Um, so order a clearance search from a trademark uh, law firm, see what else is out there, gauge that risk. You know, I think this should be really one of the first things you do because before you invest in branding and packaging, what's the packaging going to say? You have to have your trademark on it, right? Or at least nearby it. I would love to talk to anyone here who has questions about their specific situation or, or deciding on a trademark. I really believe, of course, I'm super biased, but that it should be a priority <laughs> when launching a brand. Well, I... I agree with you. I don't know where Kris Jenner was when Skin by Kim was going on, but like all of the Kardashian children, all of the Jenner children, or the, you know, grandchildren have like all the trademarks, right? Oh, totally. All the kids are, yeah, their names are Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, but their names are like, like Stormy. Like, I feel like that's like a, a pretty easy name to kind of trademark, right? But like... Kylie was, remember, was trying to trademark her own name, Kylie. And Kylie Minogue was like, step down, sister. I, I have been first. around on this earth way <laughs> longer than you. And I actually am a powerhouse as well. And she did not get that trademark. So it's it's really interesting. And I think like having you on Alexa has probably informed so many people, not only about like what's going on with like celebrity controversy, but then also like within their own lives. Like we might have people who, here who are aspiring business owners and they're thinking about, okay, what what's the name? Like the name is so important. It's like the hardest thing to figure out. And then once you get it, you want it to be available so that you can keep using it and thrive with it. So where can people, like, are you okay if we like put your website link in our show notes for people to reach out should they have like any legitimate don't just like reach out for funsies guys like be serious like this is her work <laughs> this is her career yeah don't be like hey alexa answer in the yeah, comments no. right now Le leave her alone <laughs> leave her alone leave alexa alone but she seems happy to help <laughs> I totally am. I totally am. I love beauty. I'm a lawyer by trade, but all I do when I'm not working is listen to beauty podcasts, look at beauty Instagram, like 
yeah, let's talk for sure. So I am at adamsiplaw.com. That's our law firm's website. There is a form on there. I'm on Instagram at Alexis Stabler. Yes, would love to connect. And I did want to mention Kareem because he said he knows you. We are really, really fortunate enough to do some IP work for Bo Nelson, the makeup artist. Oh, oh amazing. Wow, yeah. look at you, Bo, finding Alexa. He is a delight and such a talented and wonderful human being. And he said that he knows you. So I wanted to mention that. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do know Bo. He's like absolutely fabulous. He's, he's like always in my DMs, like literally like asking me like, so what's your opinion on this? Like, what do you think of this? Um, and he, I think he's just like a brilliant photographer, makeup artist, everything. I love that. I love that. Um, Alexa, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your professional insight. You are the absolute best. And thank you for listening to Los Angeles, being such a loyal listener. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening this week. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST network and licensed by Vice Media Group. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.